Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Good afternoon, everyone. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to episode 62 of ADA Live. I am the Director of Knowledge Translation from the Southeast ADA Center and your host today. On today's episode, we will be talking about airport customer service and the ADA. Before we begin, as a reminder, ADA Live listening audience, you can submit your questions about airport accessibility and customer service at any time at adalive.org. With the holiday travel season upon us, we thought this would be a good time to turn our attention to airport accessibility. And who better to have as a guest to discuss this topic than the customer experience and ADA coordinator for the busiest airport in the world. It is my pleasure today to introduce our guest, Steve Mayers, ADA coordinator for Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport and recipient of the FAA Civil Rights Advocate Award for promoting airport accessibility. Hi, Steve, and welcome to our show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, finally. Uh, one of our board members, who is a member of the uh, Southeastern ADA Center, has been trying to get me on this show, and I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we're, we're really tickled that, that it worked out that you could be our guest today. First of all, congratulations on being the recipient of the Federal Aviation Administration Civil Rights Advocate Award. Yes, it uh, it certainly is. Uh, you know, it was a big surprise, but since I took over this program um, three years ago, I feel and and, and that uh, I've been uh, trying to be the advocate for the uh, the disability community and persons with disabilities. And I must say also, it's the dedication of Hartsfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport and our seat of leadership that are behind me um, in ensuring that we make our airport uh, through the city of Atlanta the most accessible airport in the world. Well, congratulations again. Speaking about that and as, as a really good segue, can you just talk a little bit about the ADA and the, and the Title VI office at the Atlanta airport? The FAA, or Division of the Department of Transportation, is tasked with ensuring that the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, Section 504 uh, of the Rehabilitation Act, and, and are applied uh, in airport. FAA, through what uh, through these uh, what we call ACs or advisory circulars, while getting input from the public, will interpret the laws and uh, make uh, recommendations and rules that are applicable in airports. So this program is called uh, in the FAA, the uh, Airport Civil Rights Program. 
um, they have made uh, since we by the way since it's because we receive grants funding from the FAA and most airports do that if you even take a penny from the FAA uh, every couple of years we have what's considered what's called a compliance review of which the FAA comes to our airport through the program uh, and they uh, do a, a review of uh, all of their uh, requirements that could be more than what the ADA requirements are. So I give you an example of service animal relief areas in the airports. Now we have uh, adult changing uh, stations that are uh, going to be coming to the forefront by 2020 or 2021. So uh, that is the entire program that is set up as a, a civil rights program with the FAA, and then that trickles down to airports. And then, you know, because the airport is so big, can you just talk about some of the major accessibility issues that you see, Steve, and, and how you all work to address them? Are there certain things that stand out as that come up again and again, or when we talk of size, by the way, we are certainly we're relatively small compared to some airports I've been to around the United States and also uh, the world. Um, that's why we are the most efficient airport in the world. Um, we are certainly the busiest with the number of passengers um, this year approaching 105 million passengers. You know, most of the uh, issues that we see uh, or we face at our airport are around, um, you know, individuals who are not aware, uh, let's say the most of the, uh, other than the ADA community, they do not, they do not understand what the ADA means and why we have to do, well, we can't, for instance, curbside every hundred, um, every hundred feet, we have to have a curb cut. Um, there individuals who are not educated on the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, because they may not have a disability and they don't understand um, why we have to allocate a particular section of our curb so that you cannot park here or you cannot wait here because that we have to give that to a deserving person who has a disability to give them extra time to unload and load. Um, so most of the challenge that I face is really about educating those without disabilities as to why we have facilities for individuals who have disabilities. And I think that that's a continuing challenge and why um, our focus really at our airport is really to have an educational uh, campaign around individ uh, the individuals who don't so that they can become aware. Um, uh, so they don't think, uh, you know, the, the responses are, oh, that's just a waste of time because um, you know, only one person uses that. Well, our opinion is is that if one person needs it, they're going to do it. You know, you know, we because we have to serve everyone equally. And so, I think that that's our biggest challenge is the education of those without disabilities. Um, you talked about it's kind of an ongoing educational campaign. Could you talk a little bit about how you try to educate the public about what you're doing there in terms of ADA compliance up here? Absolutely, and, and, that, and that is a great question. Um, we do have an ADA committee, and our ADA committee here at our airport meets every, every, two, um, every two months. Um, on that committee, we, we don't have just individuals with disabilities or advocates. We invite anyone who would like to have a voice in trying to understand um, you know 
the the the, uh, the accessibility at our airport or accessibility issues that we face. Um, we that that's one avenue that we we, we use. The other avenue, um, of course, is um, we are now doing PSAs um, that we'll be re-rolling out. We'll be partnering with the AMAC Center at Georgia Tech to do more um, uh, more PSAs for the general public that will be played. Um, on the, uh, we have partnerships with radio stations or online on our website. Um, we, we try to market our program. If you go to atl.com forward slash ADA, uh, we are able to give as much information on what the offerings are at our airport. Um, we, we have PSAs actually within the airport here. If you go to the information counter, there is a, um, a, a sign there that, or not a sign, but there is a monitor that actually displays um, information on what, what what the services that we can provide. And um, the other thing that we do actually generally when we, uh, my department is in charge of uh, training um, our partners here at the airport. And every opportunity that, that I get, um, I go in and speak on disability issues, even though I do not have a disability so that our staff, our partners, so we have concessionaires, we have airlines, we have all of uh, those individuals that we um, make them aware that there is uh, uh, there's a community that we serve um, that includes individuals with disabilities. Also, engagements like this, I mean, speaking um, to you guys on the phone and um, um, uh, not on the phone, but speaking to you guys uh, in regards to uh, these issues and making you aware of what the the airport offers is actually our way of of, of doing public service also. Um, so every opportunity that that I get and everything that we do, we we include um, planning and development. We uh, all of that we include individuals, uh, uh, the the ADA and, and and have top of mind everyone that we serve. That's excellent. And, and yes, absolutely. This is a fine example right here, right now of, of you all, of you uh, working to raise that awareness level. I also am impressed with um, really uh, what a big umbrella you have cast across the educational campaign. I mean, you're working not only with, with your partners within the airport, but you've also developed those community partnerships. So that's that's great. I mean, that really is, is making sure that um, that net of awareness is, is spread pretty wide. You know, another thing that, that I found interesting, the, the use of universal design at the airport. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I, I have a wonderful professor, and I hope that he will listen to this recording because I'm giving him some props. Uh, Dr. John Sanford at uh, Georgia Tech, uh, who has been an advocate for, uh, he runs the Universal Design School at Georgia Tech. Okay. And um, we have, of course, a lot of engineers and architects who work for our airport um, that are graduates of Georgia Tech also. And so we, we partner with organizations who consistently give us feedback on uh, ensuring that our airport um, meets the needs of everyone in the community, which of course is universal design. Um, so I have a mini innovation center with, with John that um, we use to 
uh, you know, when we are doing signage. Um, I had a few students who were, I think they're doing masters and PhDs, who will come and take a look at our processes at the airport and say, okay, I, we think that this will work better. Let's do a trial. Let's fund it. Let's get it done so that we are able to 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 make sure that we meet everyone's needs. And and we consistently one one of the reasons why we're really efficient is that we consistently try to find ways to make our airport better for everybody, um, not just individuals with disabilities. Um, and and so that is the application that we have and the order that we have through our planning and, and, and planning and development division to ensure that everyone that is operating at our airport um, through our lease agreements, through uh, uh, our contracts, but everything that we do um, that has to be used by someone that we make it as efficient as possible and uh, and has e ease of access to everything that we, we do. You know, I, I, you use the term, um, you have a mini innovation center. And is it my understanding, Steve, that you use this kind of format to think about and strategize on how to meet more universal design? Yes, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, because in order for you to be the, the most accessible airport in the world, you cannot meet the, you cannot just meet the bare minimum. And so, so using our ADA committee or whenever we, we, we build a, or we build or we'll be building a, a new, new building or new facilities, we always include uh, different parts of the community in the design or asking questions. Um, and so the research from our, our, our mini innovation center uh, partnership with AMAC and and Dr. John Sanford at uh, Georgia Tech enables us to um, find that universal uh, design that will be enabled to serve the entire community. So continuous uh, innovation in, in ensuring that we're, we're able to meet the, the community's needs. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're aware of what the AMAC Center is. Uh, AMAC is, a, um, is an organization at Georgia Tech that provides accessibility solutions. And um, so if, if there's an organization that wants to, um, to, to have their, for instance, their website uh, accessible, there are students or members uh, of that committee, and not committee, of that department who uh, would offer services for web accessibility. They do consulting, video, remote captioning, um, accessible textbooks, brailles, all of that. Uh, so it's a center that focuses on universal design for individuals with disability at Georgia Tech. Could we talk a little bit about the Air Carrier Access Act? I believe your office is responsible for compliance with that, Steve? Yes. So uh, I, I spoke previously um, about the FAA and the Department of Transportation and what the FAA, uh, their interpretation of certain rules are. But uh, Congress passed the Air Carrier Access Act to specifically to give individuals with disabilities access to airports and aircraft for grant-funded uh, organizations that fall under Title II. Uh, as an example, without going into too much detail, I'll just give you an example that came out of the Air Carrier Access Act. 
was service animals on aircraft and what types of service animals can be on aircraft. Uh, emotional support animals, um, I'll touch on in a, in a bit here, but um, you know, within an airport under, you know, uh, on the Title II, uh, you, you have a public entity that receives grants from the FAA. The, the question is whether the private entities that lease uh, the concession space, so you have uh, you have Delta Airlines or any other airlines that may have a lounge and they're considered a private entity or you have Burger King as a private entity within the airport, whether they fall on the Title II or Title uh, Title III. Well, according to um, the FAA and their rules and interpretation, um, they fall on the Title II because they have a lease agreement with us. And so if a service animal comes into our airport and they are they have to have access to the airport to get to the aircraft an emotional support animal we fall under uh the same rules but the private entity does not have to allow an emotional support animal in their facility in the airport because there are no such rules for uh emotional support animals um uh, within the airport that says that you you have to give access to the um, the private area. However, under the FAA rules, we have to give access to the aircraft by allowing the emotional support animals to go through the public areas of the airport to get to the aircraft, if, if I'm not being confusing, um, because they, they, they haven't really clarified those rules. But under the Air Carrier Access Act, um, uh, it, it's just individuals with disabilities who uh, are given access to aircraft and airport facilities. Um, that that uh, that's a law that was passed by Congress and interpreted by the FAA, and it has its rules that it applies on us and of what it wants us to do because we are grant funded. Okay, I see. And so, because you receive that grant funding, you have to comply with that. Absolutely. Yeah such things as a service animal in public places in the airport. Absolutely. Amongst other things, but yeah. One of the things that just, you know, from a, a door to gate experience view, if you will, Steve, you know, like I get, you know, to the airport and then I get to my gate. How does a passenger with a disability receive special assistance? Okay. So, in the United States, um, we have uh, agreements between the airport and the airlines, and there are some responsibility that's the responsibilities that the the airlines want to take control of, um, of course, because of cost and, and, and all of that. And there's some things that the airport does in the United States specifically, uh, wheelchair assistance is something that most airlines want to do themselves. For you to get special assistance, um, if you're um, in a wheelchair, for instance, it's the, the airline that is responsible for that. But let's say that you're not in a wheelchair, but you have a, a child with a disability or you yourself would like to get assistance. You can also organize that through your airline. You are able to, you should be able to have a seamless travel through the airport by getting help from anybody that's badged within this airport. 
Yeah, if I knew that I was going to be coming to the airport, to the to the airport there in Atlanta, and I knew I was going to need assistance, would your office be the first place I should call? Uh, honestly, the best place to make any type of uh, assistance that you need is actually if you have access to a computer and go to a website, but there are also phone numbers too. But on every airline's website, you, there is a section for um, accessibility or um, helping individuals with disabilities. ADA Live listening audience, if you have questions about air, airport accessibility or any of our other ADA Live topics, you can submit your questions at any time at our online forum at adalive.org. I want to pause for a minute now for a word from our sponsor, the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport ADA and Title VI Office. Making ordinary service extraordinarily accessible is the motto of the ADA and Title VI office at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Their mission is to provide a safe, enjoyable travel experience as well as equal access for guests and passengers with disabilities and or special needs. The office works closely with airport stakeholders to ensure the best provision of services to passengers with disabilities. The office also assists guests in resolving disputes regarding the Americans with Disabilities Act. For more information, visit their website at www.atl.com forward slash ADA. Welcome back. We are speaking with Steve Mayers, ADA and Title VI Coordinator, and I was just kind of curious, could you talk a little bit about what a typical day looks like in your office? Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about my job is the educational piece of educating the public or en educating anyone who, um, you know, has a complaint about anything, whether it's a, an accessibility issue and then um, letting them know how we can get it done. Uh, I leave my office and I go outside and I observe how uh, just the, the traveling public um, traverse the airport. I walk this airport because I inspect what I expect, and 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 so that then um, I am not in a cocoon in a way of uh, of being defensive about what I see when individuals call me to say, hey, we need an improvement here, because then I know that I've actually seen it. Um, well, you know, I, it, the underlying theme through our whole discussion has been the education, and how you do that through so many different avenues. And I really, I liked what you just said about how you just set aside time to go out and look at what's going on. And I loved your quote, I inspect what I expect. Um, yeah, there, there really isn't anything like um, seeing individuals with disabilities uh, in this airport and asking them, how is it going? And to hear, you know, 99% of the times it's, oh my God, it's great. You guys have been amazing. So that's what I like to hear too. Right. That's great. You know, one thing that I um, am interested in and that perhaps you could talk a little bit about, Steve, is um, security at the airport, like the TSA, Transportation Security Administration, mm -hmm. and that kind of delicate balance between ensuring airport security while being respectful of people with 
with disabilities who may be in a wheelchair or those kind of things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah. Uh, of course, TSA is a great partner for airports across the United States and, and um, uh, of course, um, provides um, the traveling public with, uh, you know, uh, uh, security and making sure that they get to their, their aircraft without any incidents. Um, the recommendation that I would make for uh, anyone that needs assistance uh, for TSA, I don't know if the, the public is aware, and again, this is an education of, of, of which I would like to mention also that TSA is a part of an active part of our ADA committee and is a great partner for our airport. Um, now, TSA Cares is an organization that uh, the, you know families with um, uh, with a child who uh, who needs assistance or uh, an individual who's in a wheelchair, anyone with a disability that would like to get assistance through security, they can actually call TSA Cares at 855-787. 2227 to get um, assistance through through the, the TSA line. Of course, if someone is traveling with a service animal or an emotional support animal, uh, TSA is not going to really uh, stop you from going through security. They are going to screen you, and it's not their um, it is not a requirement for them to say you can't come through with your service animal or your emotional emotional support animal, as long as the airline has, has given you access to their aircraft and the airport has allowed you through, um, allowed you through the, the 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 airport as an access to the airport. So they do an awesome job, um, um, especially when uh, the assistance is requested and granted by TSA. There, there are support teams in our airport that are trained specifically to handle individuals with disabilities, um, especially individuals with, um, uh, like for instance, uh, autism. We have an autism awareness month here at our airport, and uh, and TSA is a big part of that too. So they've been a really, really good partner for for us, and I and I know that to be a fact across the United States. You know, one thing that you just kind of mentioned as you were talking, we were discussing that topic, was um, were passengers with autism. And I was, again, kind of getting ready for our discussion. Um, I was, I found out that you guys have a Wings for Autism program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just wondering, what what is that? Wings for Autism, um, again, uh, we are always actively trying to um, to get more individuals to fly. I think again, I mentioned that uh, I encourage um, people uh, or individuals with disabilities to to travel and explore the world. Um, and one of the challenges for um, families with um, children or individuals uh, that they're grown adults with autism is. Um, you know, noise sensitivity, light sensitivity, people sensitivity, um, all of that um, is an issue when traveling through an airport with 104 million passengers. So what we do is partner with um, an airline. Um, this year we partnered with Delta Airlines, and Delta actually has this on a monthly basis that it does too, that uh, if you have a, a, a child with autism, um, you can bring your child to the airport to tour the airport and also tour the aircraft so that they can get acclimated to the noise and the lights, the sounds, 
so that we that we will then uh, they will then know how to handle um, all of those concerns before they take a long trip or uh, you know to go from one location to another. So every year we bring um, I think last year we had 50 families with children with autism into the airport. We talk about autism, what it means, and then we we we, we sponsor them to be here and get an aircraft and get a, a pilot um, who has a child with autism and, and speak about experiences. So when I was talking about the money piece is, you know, the more individuals that we have that fly with, with disabilities, we're doing a good cause, but we want to make sure that everyone has the ability to fly, of course, which turns into profit, profit for us. But in the end, that's not our main goal. Our main goal is to make sure that um, the traveling public, um, even with individuals with disabilities, um, have the opportunity to 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 live a normal life uh, like everyone else. Um, we also do this for the blind, by the way. There's a blind um, agency here in Atlanta that's a, a volunteer group that uh, brings their students to the airport, and we show them how to traverse the airport. There is a guide dog association that we do the same thing to through our uh, nonprofit liaison office um, volunteers. We have individuals, by the way, who are volunteers that have disabilities at our airport. And I have actually <laughs> I mentioned this that hired individuals with disabilities at my airport to serve the public because we we want to make sure that um, you know individuals with disabilities who are traversing the airport can say, you know, I can do that too. So so that's how our partnerships work. One other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was, and you had mentioned this a couple of different times, I think, Steve, you know, there, there are emotional support animals and there are service animals. Is there some kind of a, a general rule or rules that you all are following at this moment? I know things seem to be changing on that front rather mm -hmm. lately. Yeah. And, and this is an unfortunate, it really is an, an, an unfortunate um, position to be in, um, especially for individuals who, um, especially for the individuals who, who have a legitimate um, needs for service animals, uh, especially service animals. Um, because again, it goes back to the educational piece. The general public, um, the do not, the vast majority of folks who, from my experience at least, who say that they have a service animal, really do not. Um, uh, you know, you can go online and you can buy a, an emotional support animal um, pass because there are requirements from the airlines um, for documentation for emotional support animals. Um, there are certain questions that we can ask about service animals specifically, um, you know, such as, um, you know, is this your uh, pet? Uh, such as what what benefit or or, or what uh, service that is it provide to you? I can ask about the animal, but I can't ask about the individual's disability. Mm. When those questions are asked, um, depending on the answer, I will know whether or not this is a service animal. So, and, and, and we also do beha behavioral training um, because uh, service animals, which are two that are recognized, uh, the miniature horses and also the 
uh, dogs, um, they are trained, they are certified, and you can, we we know their behavior because we've been through this. In in our airport, we you know I know what a surface animal is. It would not be running all over the place uh, in my airport uncontrolled. And by the way, if a surface animal does that in our airport, we have the right to ask you to leave the airport. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, these are the 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 problem that we face right now is that we have had um, individuals who have brought uh, their pets into the airport and say that they're service animals and then we have uh, other passengers or employees that are being bitten that are being harmed uh, when there is a claim uh, because there are folks who think that they know the law when they actually don't and um, we find that they're using the law to get out of paying $150 fee from, from average fee for most of the airlines to transport their animal from one location, or their pet from one location to another, not their animal, but their pet from one location to another um, without legitimately doing so. So now um, the DOJ and the FAA is looking into solidifying what it means and changing the rules, and there will be a comment period because, of course, the airlines um, have established some new rules. Um, that is to the detriment of the individuals who have legitimate um, service animals and are now bearing the brunt of, you know, questioning as to whether this is a service animal or not. And so um, it's unfortunate, but we're going to, we're working to make sure that there is some, um, some ways that we can actually um, uh, fix this issue that we have. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I think it's, um, it's good to know that the Department of Justice and the FAA are working together to look at coming up with a set of you know, to solidify, as you said, the rule or rules around this. So I know there is quite a bit of confusion. Um, so thank you for, for speaking to that. Um, we are about out of time, Steve. But before we go, um, I wanted to just ask if um, you have any thoughts on future challenges that you see for airport accessibility. Um, and, and what that might look like at um, Hartsfield-Jackson? Well, I wouldn't say that I, I see any challenges. Um, what I see are some really good opportunities for individuals with disabilities who um, will be able, uh, at least in the United States, to have access, we, we access the airports, um, but, but the new technologies that we have uh, coming on stream. Um, when we're building new buildings or new airports in the United States, uh, when the big guys like, like us can win awards and, and say, yes, we have actually, we have done this, uh, all the other airports across the United States will follow. And I think that as leaders in the industry, we are um, looking at every opportunity to, you know, when we build a, 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 a brand new um, parking garage, we're not just adding the minimum um, accessible spaces. Um, we're adding um, more accessible spaces than the minimum because we recognize that our population is aging. We recognize that there are more individuals who are self-identifying that they have a disability. So the future looks really bright um, at least in my airport, I know that to be a fact um, because of the importance 
that the city of Atlanta and Hartsville Jackson Atlanta International Airport, uh, our leadership, everyone, how important it is that we um, serve everyone universally, including uh, individuals with disabilities. So, um, you know, I will stick with my challenge of educating the public, um, but um, it looks really, really bright because we have this top of mind with everything that we spoke about today. That's fantastic, Steve. And I really, um, I like how you have said throughout our talk today that there at Hartsfield Jackson, you look at the standards as kind of the minimum and you go beyond because you know what the needs of your community are and what that greater community is. And also I think you touched on the new technologies that are coming up and how those are gonna be such great opportunities. So, so I think it is very exciting. And, and you all, um, as a very shiny example um, and definitely a leader in airport accessibility, so you're a great model for um, other airports out there. Um, thank you so much, Steve. It has been my pleasure. Yes, thank you so much, Steve. It has been my pleasure too. Listeners, our guest today has been Steve Mayers, Customer Experience, ADA, and Title VI Coordinator with the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. I wanna thank you so much for being with us today. As always, we thank you for joining us for today's episode of ADA Live on Airport Customer Service and the ADA. This episode and all previous ADA episodes are available on our website at adalive.org. All our episodes are archived in a variety of formats, including streamed audio and accessible transcripts. You can also download as podcasts. It's as easy as going to the podcast icon on your mobile device and searching for ADA Live. Reminder, you can submit any questions on any of these topics by going to adalive.org. If you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And remember, all calls are free and they're confidential. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio. Brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.